Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here with episode 12. I am your host, Kyle Creasy, and I'm here with my co-host, Tommy Smith. And today, we have a guest on the show. We're really happy to have him on, uh, Jamal Christopher, um, one of my favorite Twitter follows that I've been able to keep up with the past few years. Um, you guys know I'm a Clippers fan. Jamal is a big-time Clippers fan. And so that's just somebody that I've been able to really interact with over Twitter in the past few years. And I got a hold of him, um, I don't know, a few months ago. And then we just kind of kept talking. I was able to bring him on. So I just want Jamal to introduce himself real quick. And Jamal, I just want to say uh, we really do appreciate you for coming on, man. Ah, man, pleasure's all mine, bro. Uh, yeah, man, um, I'm, I'm glad that you actually reached out, you know. Um, I, anytime I can get, like, anytime I can, um, talk about Clipper basketball in the summer, uh, and kind of get my Jones, uh, going, uh, I'm all, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been talking about it for a while, going back and forth. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we got it to happen. Um, but in terms of me, um, yeah, I'm a, like you said, I'm a big Clipper fan. Um, I grew up playing uh, junior Clipper basketball, and then I would say, like, around uh, – I just kept following the team, and then 2010 is when I, like, really became, like, a real fan of the team. Um, and then after college, I was looking for a job, so it was like, oh, let's see if I can, you know, work for the Clippers. Uh, worked in community relations for the Clippers for a little bit, uh, for, like, two years. Um, and then after that, uh, uh, my brother, he used to, I mean, he still does, but uh, back in the day, he started this Clipper account that he still keeps up with. Um, and I saw the following that he was getting, and I was like, man, it would be cool to join NBA Twitter, join Clipper Twitter. And so I did, and, you know, found a lot of guys like you uh, that share my enthusiasm and my passion for the Clippers. And, um, yeah, just kept kept tweeting and, you know, get a lot of people that hate it and a lot of people that like my tweets. So, uh, and then from there, um, uh, I would say like, is this too long of an intro? Am I going too long? Oh man, you're good. Keep going. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, from there, I would say like the biggest thing is, uh, it kind of reached a point where, um, before last season began, uh, some of the Clippers, uh, reached out. Um, I got a chance to be a part of their ambassador program now, um, which is really cool. And, yeah, it's just an extension of what I've always been, which is Clippers for life, man. Um, Very excited for next season um, for a lot of reasons. Um, But, yeah, uh, I'm I'm always glad to talk uh, Clipper basketball. So, again, bro, thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So, now I want to branch off of that. Since you're talking about being an ambassador, how long have you been doing that, and how did you get into that? Uh, two years. Um, two years. Uh, I I like to say, like, I'm a, um, I've been a Clipper ambassador for, like, my entire life, almost. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, when, you, when you're in L.A., man, uh, it's, it's an uphill battle. Even though in L.A., the Clipper fan base is a lot, a lot larger than social media. Uh, will try and tell you Um, but when you share a city with the Lakers man it's a it's an uphill battle so uh, I've been repping the Clipper flag for a while man and yeah I consider myself a Clipper ambassador for 
for at least decades now, you know, but um, officially uh, two years, um, I, I got a DM um, from, from a Clipper rep uh, last year, like right before the season started, I want to say. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, shout out Charlie. He's working for the Nets now. Um, but he was doing this project uh, with the Clippers. And he was like, I think it would be really cool to have one of Clipper Nation do the voiceover for it. It's actually my pen tweet still. And I was like, oh, cool. And so I did that. And then he um, said, like, yo, I've heard that uh, the Clippers are about to start doing this ambassador program. I think you'd be perfect for it. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds great. And then so uh, he sent them my information and then they reached out to me. Um, and yeah, it's just a group of us who um, are really in tune with the Clippers, really supportive fans. Um, there's other there's other parts of it like uh, we we well I don't but there's a part of us who go to games. There's a part of us who uh, get information out to the city about the Clippers. Um, yeah, and it's just a really cool thing, man. They 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 give out really cool stuff as well. Um, but yeah, in, in short, man, it's just a group of people who uh, push the Clipper uh, flag as far as it possibly can go. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, another thing I just wanted to ask was like, what have been some perks that you've been able to get out of that? Oh, man. Um, let me see. Um, well, well, the gear. Uh, we get sent some really cool stuff, uh, some hoodies. Uh, I got a cool backpack. Um, uh, my favorite, my favorite is every now and then we'll get tickets to games, um, which is cool because like I, I love going to games, man. I love going to basketball games in general. Like I know this is a Clipper pod, but like I love going to Laker games too. Oh yeah. Uh, like I, I just love going to basketball games. So. Uh, anytime you don't got to come out of pocket for it, it's uh, it's awesome. So uh, that would be my favorite perk. Uh, but it, it's not really a ton of perks, to be honest. Uh, I mean, that that's a big perk. But, like, outside of that, yeah, they just send out gear. And in all honesty, a lot of it is stuff that uh, you probably would receive if you go to a game. Um, you know what I mean? Stuff that they hand out. Um, but I think more than anything, um, if I had to describe a perk other than going to the games, it would be like, you know, this is my favorite team, right? Like, this is the team that I grew up with, the team that uh, I got my first job with. And so to just know that I have a direct line of communication uh, with a branch of my favorite team, that's enough of a perk in itself. Like, I I can't really ask for more. Uh, I, I got the biggest perk was uh, through that, through, like, the people who know uh, the ambassadors, et cetera. Um, I got to go to playoff games last year, too. Oh, so, wow. And then, and, you know, the playoffs last year was a ride. So. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's awesome. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the narrating the video because I remember whenever I first saw that and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, Jamal just narrated a video for, for the <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. I'm like how all that got worked out. But, you know, I just wanted to ask, like, how was that experience for you? Like that had to be kind of like overwhelming maybe. And it had to feel just awesome in general. Like I'm narrating a video for my favorite basketball team. Man, it was, it was incredible, man. So 
uh, I work and I just remember trying to get it done as quick as I could. Um, Charlie, um, I don't know if you've seen him on Twitter, uh, probably not as much anymore because he's working with the Nets after last year, he left the Clippers. Um, you know, I do music as well. And so he just thought it'd be really cool, uh, to, to, uh, get me to do it. And so, yeah, I just remember, man, um, he was like, yeah, just go to the studio and just knock it out. And I was like, yeah, but it's like COVID. And it's like, so it's like really hard to like find a studio. And I didn't want to go through like how long it might take to find a good studio. So, um, I just remember going inside of like a closet and using my iPhone, um, to do it, um, and try and get as little noise in the background as I possibly could. Um, I did like takes over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the more, uh, stressful, but fun, fun, because like, I, I remember I did it and then I kept waiting for it to come out. And I didn't know when it was going to come out. And then once it came out, I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's that's my voice, you know? And uh, I think it was on the Clippers Insta story. And then once they tweeted it out, uh, the love was great. I, I, I really couldn't imagine something like that happening um, when I first joined Clipper Twitter, you know? Like, I literally joined it because it was, like, essentially an online bar for Clipper games where you can, like, interact with a bunch of Clipper fans in the middle of the games and stuff. Yeah. And like, I, I never imagined it could get this far. And like, now it's like, uh, Clipper, uh, personnel. Um, I've, I've talked to, to them. Uh, again, I got a part of the ambassador program and, you know, these opportunities have come. Um, and it's genuinely all through just loving the Clippers and, and, and you know, loving the message that the Clippers are trying, uh, to put together. So, uh, yeah, man, it, that was cool. Um, everything that I've been a part of with them is really cool. Um, nothing bad to say about the Clipper organization for sure, man. Still love them. Love them always. That's awesome. Tommy. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question off that. Um, so have you uh, have you been ever, like, approached about another big project like that, like narrating a video or anything like that? Not narrating a video, but I would say the – the next biggest thing that I did was um, this wasn't through um, like the Clipper ambassador program or um, anything like that, but it was in a way it was. So uh, I got a chance to be on TV. Um, I was on Fox 11. Uh, Good morning, America. I think that's what it's called. Good day, LA. That's what that's what it's called. Uh, Good Day LA, Fox 11, um, before Game 6, uh, Clippers Suns. Um, and I got a chance to be on TV and just talk about uh, the Clippers Game 5 win versus the Suns and how they staved off elimination and the ride that it was getting to the first ever conference finals. Uh, and that happened through Twitter as well. And I was just like, wow. Like, uh, all of it just kind of opened my uh eyes to like the opportunities that can come through twitter just by like you know sharing sharing your love for the game sharing your love for your team um yeah i would say like that was like the second biggest thing um i also other than that i had another uh part of it where um i did radio skits for the clippers last season um i never heard them though because uh for whatever reason i don't 
I don't even know if they came out or not, but uh, I did some radio work for the Clippers as well last year. So, uh, yeah, man, it's been it's been fun. Um, some some really good opportunities. That's awesome. And then just last thing I wanted to ask you about just your association with the Clippers is, you know, I've seen stuff that where you posted before where you actually were able to meet Kobe Bryant at a at a young age at his camp. Is that right? Oh man, yes. I'm, I've met I've met I got a chance to meet Kobe a few times for sure. So I, I thought so. And first off, you know, I just want to ask how was that when you met him? And second off, you know, I would have figured that if you were able to meet Kobe at that young age, I figured surely you may have been a Lakers fan if that was an experience. So I just want to. <laughs> Are you a Clippers fan over a Lakers fan? Well, um, the first time I met Kobe um, was uh, I was at uh, the Watts Willowbrook Boys and Girls Club. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Watts, but it's a part of uh, South Central Los Angeles. And I used to go there every summer. Um, the woman who runs the Watts Willowbrook Boys and Girls Club at the time uh, she was really tight with Kobe and uh, Kobe had his foundation go there. And I think, I think it was, he was giving away like a new PlayStation game or a PlayStation to, to everybody or something. And so he pulled up there and that's when I first met him. The second time was a bit more in depth because I got to go to his basketball camp at Loyola Marymount university. Um, and that was the time where it was like, yeah, man, I saw the unfiltered Kobe, man, because, like, we were with him for a whole week. And, like, he would – uh, we would be running games, and, like, all you would hear is, like, Kobe watching the game on the sideline. Like, hey, fade away on that motherfucker. <laughs> motherfucker. And, and it, it was just so cool, man. Like, you really see the, the competitive nature of him. Like, it's not, it's not just fiction. Like, he really is that guy. But he was, he was really cool. He was there every day. Uh, interacted with everybody. Um, it was really cool. I was teammates at that camp with uh, Jabari Brown, who ended up being on the Lakers with Kobe. Uh, so that was crazy. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, that's just another part of like growing up in LA. Like if you're really serious about basketball in the city, uh, you'll end up um, with some really great opportunities uh, and some really great stories to tell. Like, you know, I met Spencer, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, growing up playing basketball in L.A. Um, and he's actually supposed to go to that camp, but he ended up not going. Um, but, yeah, that's one of my better friends. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 think, I think the Kobe experience, man, is, is something that uh, I cherish, obviously, even more now with his passing. But uh, Mamba, man, that was, that was all I knew growing up was Kobe and Iverson. Uh, Kobe and AI, those are my guys. And uh i honestly i didn't i didn't really i couldn't get with the lakers bro i just couldn't you know what i mean because like i don't know i hate to do be cliche but it's like man like they kept winning so much you know what i mean like it was they were so dominant when i was starting to like come of age and it was just like man you're looking at the clippers and one of them years i want to say in 01 with quentin richardson and darius miles and lamar odom and it was like man, they're really trying to make something of themselves, you know? And it, and for me, it was like, I can't help but root for them. You know, but Kobe's my guy. But, like, in terms of, like, teams that I rooted for, it was always either whatever team Iverson was on or uh, the Clippers. And then I just like Kobe as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, 
it wasn't even really hard to not root for the Lakers. You know, they had enough fans. You know what I mean? So it was like you just want to see the Clippers do well. Um, and then once you learn about the biggest reasons why they weren't the Lakers, it makes you want to, like, root for them even more because it's like, man, like, what would the Lakers be if they had Donald Sterling as their owner uh, for the first 30 years or whatever it was, you know? It's like we kind of were, were dealt an unfair hand to start the race, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't um, – I couldn't be a fan of the Lakers. Uh, I, I love going to Laker games, though, and they've had a lot of great players through the years. And all the way, it's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing to for them to go from like Kobe Bryant and Shaq for like twenty years and then fall right into LeBron James. It's like, like come on, man! Like that's unfair. You know what I mean? Like that's unfair. But um, yeah, I, I just admire some of the basketball stuff with the Lakers and because and, Kobe was my guy, but it, it was never a thing. Uh, I always wanted to be a Clipper fan. Uh, I remember I played for Normandy Park uh, and I made the all-star team um, when I was a kid. And then one of the perks of making the all-star team was you get to play uh, on the Clipper court at halftime. And I did that like twice. And so like growing up, I, I just couldn't do anything other than be a Clipper. Like, that's all I knew. Um, so, yeah, I never I never thought of being a Laker fan. Uh, I, I really liked what you were able to share about Kobe, man. I, I think that that's, that's stuff that you hear time and time again reiterated from all kinds of people, and it's just really cool just to be able, on my own podcast, to be able to hear somebody share an experience like that. So that was awesome. Um, yeah, man, he's, he's a one of a kind, man. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, since you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie, I want to jump into that right now. Um, you know, I, I've seen you tweet about it before, just about being like knowing him for a long time and playing with him. Like, what what was your experience yeah. growing up? Like, how'd you meet each other? And like, what's that relationship like? Just because I've seen you tweet about it so much. So I just wanted to just wanted to hear about it. Yeah, I, me and Spencer, man, um, I was on an AAU team back in the day and it was kind of like a uh, a startup AAU team. Um, there's a foundation um, called A Place Called Home, um, APCH, and they started an AAU team ran by a guy named Chico Brown. Um, if you want to do your Googles, is a, a big-time entity. Uh, he kind of knows everybody. and But he was essentially starting an AAU team, um, and then me, my brother, and a few of us were uh, on the team um and then he started like recruiting other guys uh to fill out the team one of the guys he recruited uh was uh joffrey allen i don't know if you know who that is but like he's the son of lucius allen who was like a milwaukee bug great right? i think i think he played for the bug okay. yeah 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 um and then i just remember one day uh spitzer came in the door and he was he was trying out for the team and yeah, man, he was like this short guy who just stood in the corner but couldn't miss. Like, he was a shooter. Like, he could not miss. And so he was on the team. And then we just got really tight, man, really tight. And then uh, high school came about, and he went to Taft High School and grew, like, 18 inches between 8th and 10th grade. It was, like, ridiculous. And then uh, you just started seeing that he had a chance to do something really good with basketball. And then he went to Colorado, and then the rest was history, man. And 
uh we've been cool ever since uh i remember going to like a labor day barbecue at his house back in the day um i remember clippers uh clippers jazz game six um i actually like this wasn't even planned uh i i got seats like really close to the floor and then spencer was right there and he was like what's up bro and you know we were talking at the game and he was like dog i'm trying to find my way back to the crib I was like, man, come on. He was like, dog, I'm trying. And he was like, he was really trying to find a way uh, to get to the Lakers or the Clippers. Uh, he was at that point of his career where he's like, man, I, I could play for a winner, um, but I want to get paid too. Yeah. Uh, but I want to come back home. And so when he went, when he got, he got the back from Washington, I was really happy for him. But it was like, man, I, I think he could, I think he could contribute to a team that's better than that. And so I was happy that he ended up with Dallas and, uh, he ended up doing great. I was just talking with him after um, after game five. Um, and, yeah, it was just, you know, he really wanted to win, man. Uh, when you get that close to the NBA finals, um, especially when you're not, like, 21 years old uh, and you're getting closer to, like, the back half of your career, you just kind of don't know when those opportunities are going to come again, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and so, yeah, he was kind of – uh, I wouldn't say he was like super, super down, but like he really wanted to win, the, make the finals. Uh, he thought they had a chance against the Warriors. I didn't, but you know, he he did. So, uh, no, nah, he's a he's a really good guy, and man, just playing basketball in LA, uh, you get to you get to meet a lot of really cool people, man. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've seen you talk about this before as well, and I wanted to ask you about this. Obviously, since you did play in LA, I have seen where you played both Demar and James Harden in high school. Uh, I, I want to know how those, how those games were. And if you saw those guys and were like, yeah, they're league. A hundred percent, especially DeMar. Um, James Harden was a senior um, when I was in ninth grade, but I had seen him before because we went to the same middle school. Oh. And so, yeah, out of my middle school. And so like I had to seen him around and he was kind of like a heavy set guy. Mm -hmm. um, but then when he got to Artesia, uh, he kind of just like all the baby fat kind of just went off of him. And he just became like one of the best players in the country. And then it was him, uh, Renardo, Sidney, Malik Story, Lorenzo, who I, if I'm not mistaken, he's like James Harden's agent now or something like that. And he was the point guard for that team. And yeah, uh, my senior year of high school, uh, I mean, my junior, no. My freshman year of high school, James Harden's senior year of high school, we played them at Chapman College. Um, and on that team, uh, we had a guy by the name of Jordan Hamilton, who was like our best player, um, who actually ended up playing for the Doc Rivers Clippers for like 10 days. That's now, another did he, story. Did he go to Texas? Am I right on this? One? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to Dorsey for like three years and then went to Dominguez Hills for a year, went to Texas, then went to Denver. And then found his way to the Clippers for a little bit. But he was, like, our best player. So it was, like, him versus Harden. And, like, yeah, bro, James Harden, he was crazy, man. Like, I remember they were blowing us out. We made a run. We got it to, like, five with, like, two minutes left to go. And, like, Harden's uh, in front of our bench. And in typical James Harden fashion, he hits a step back three in front of our bench face. And then he just looks at our coach and tells us to call a timeout. And we called a timeout. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, 
you know, I'm I, and I'm a ninth grader, so like at this time, I'm looking wide eyed. I'm like, wow, dude! Like I thought I was good at basketball. Like, whoa! Like this is crazy. Like he's bigger. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it was just crazy to watch. So yeah, James Harden was was spectacular, but Demar was a a whole nother like. I had never seen nothing like that in in my life up until that point. Not in person, at least. You know what I mean? Like, he was – we played DeMar in the Watts Summer Games. So, like, uh, every every year – I think it's back on now. I know it stopped for a little bit because of COVID. But, like, every year uh, the Watts Summer Games is a collection of schools uh, that participate in this summer basketball tournament in L.A. Um, a lot of great players have played in it. Um, my year was uh, 07. I played in it, and we played Compton. And it was crazy, bro, because, like, Compton at this time was, like, the number 10 team in the state, and we weren't the number 10 – and <laughs> we weren't the number 10 team in the state. But we started the game out, and, you know, we were up by, like, 12. And uh, I think something happened to where uh, Compton didn't get a, a foul call. They, like – they got a tech. And then uh, DeMar is mad at the ref, and he's just like, all right, motherfucker, that's how we're going to play it? All right. And I kid you not, I've never seen nothing like this in my life, dude. He just took over the – he was shooting fadeaways. Lorenzo, who ended up from Artesia to Compton, threw him a lob. I thought it was a floater. So I went to box out, and DeMar just came right over me and just went, bow, and dunked it. And like, I wish I still had a footage, man. I would have for sure tweeted it. But oh, yeah. like, yeah, it was it was insane, man. Uh, he was like Vince Carter, Kobe, Michael Jordan, like all of the wings that could jump really high and shoot fadeaways and stuff. Like, you could tell he modeled his game after Kobe, uh-huh. um, a lot like what he plays like now. Uh, yeah, that was that was something else, man. Uh, Demar is 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 truly a one of a kind uh, high school basketball player. That was that was insane to witness in person. Uh, but yeah, and we eventually ended up losing. So uh, that was that was the bad part. But in in real time, though, I, you just knew that oh, he's going he's going to be in the NBA. Like this is an NBA player. So once you realize you lost to like a future NBA star, it's not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's like ah. I could tell my kids one day I played against Demar when I have kids. Yeah, that's that's just insane. Got got dunked on by Demar. <laughs> dunked on by Demar, bro. It was it was it was crazy. I got I got like bagged on about it for a week, a week straight in practice. They just kept saying it. And I'm like, bro, he would have dunked on you too. Like, come on, man, it's Demar, dude. He does that to, to just, just NBA him, players now, you know. Just for him to turn into a multi-time all-star. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's it's a, also one of the most overrated playoff guys ever. Hey, I do know your ah. you know your thoughts on that, and I don't I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and then you know I just wanted to ask you one more thing about just being in LA and playing basketball in LA. Obviously, yeah. our two stars on the Clippers right now being Kawhi and Paul George, and being guys that are from kind of that area or around that area did yeah. you did you like hear about those two guys whenever they were coming up Kawhi, hell yeah hey can you curse in here can you curse it, it we are a we can bleep it out if we need to but we are a wow. <laughs> my bad my bad but Kawhi for sure he was one of the best players in the, uh in the state um 
I mean, I don't think anybody thought Kawhi would end up what he uh, ended up being. But Kawhi, yeah, for sure. Like, I just remember Rise Magazine, um, Kawhi. I actually saw Kawhi play live at the sports arena against Jordan Hamilton um, to go to state. Uh, was that 09? Uh, yeah, 09 at the sports arena. Uh, I remember going because Jordan was like, yeah, I'm about, to, I'm about to take Kawhi down. I'm about to do it. It was Dominguez versus Riverside King. And uh, I no, that wasn't. Was that no 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 that was at uh UCLA it was at Pauly they played uh um at Pauly and I was there and yeah Kawhi was that guy man he was that guy in high school like he wasn't I would say like in LA the biggest thing I've ever seen in in high school basketball might be Lonzo Ball at least in recent memory so Kawhi wasn't that but yeah. Kawhi was like you you knew he was going like high division one he was going to be playing on all the TVs next year, et cetera. Paul George, not at all. Oh, wow. I, I I don't remember anything about Paul George. I'm going to be honest. And, like, you know, it's different when you're, like, I was in the basketball scene. Like, I, I played with guys. Like, I played with a lot of guys who uh, aren't going to be in the league, didn't make the league, but, like, the Drew League is about to start up, and they're going to be there and uh, be amongst all the pros that, you know what I'm saying, the guys who didn't make the league, but the guys that all the NBA players know. Yeah. I played with a lot of those guys. I, like, I really was in the trenches, and I did not know George was. I, I really didn't. Um, uh, maybe I did. Nah, I don't, I don't think so, man. Um, I don't. But um, I think I did hear about him towards the end of his freshman year. Um, because it's like, oh, there's a guy that has the potential to go lottery, uh, and he's from the city, you know what I mean? So you start being like, oh, okay, who is that? And then such and such says like, oh, I know him, da, 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 that sort of thing. But no, I don't, I don't remember anything about Paul George, anything, not anything too spectacular in high school. Uh, not like Hawaii. Yeah. That, um, that kind of shocks me, honestly, because I just, I mean, obviously, I'm way out here on the on the east, but like, I mean, I didn't really hear about either. So I was kind of expecting a similar answer for both. I'm that actually surprises me that like you knew about Kawhi and you were like, yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, nah, bro. Like, you just knew. Like, anytime a guy is like top fifty in his class, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm and if I'm not mistaken, Kawhi was either top fifty in his class or close to it. Okay. Um, that would mean like, yeah, yeah. He was he was he was pretty pretty highly touted, man. And then um, his summer going into his senior year, uh, he really kind of took off. And yeah, so it was like with, with Kawhi around here, a lot of people knew that he was one of the best players in the state. Um, anything beyond that, though, like you're on the East Coast, I, I definitely wouldn't expect like a bunch of East Coast people. Uh, to be in tune with high school Kawhi, yeah. um, I, he was like he wasn't that big, like he wasn't like that, you know what I mean. But uh, if you were in California, um, he was arguably the best player in the state. Okay. Um, and and I think one of the uh, one of the things that uh, we talk about on Twitter was uh, he was an all he was a McDonald's All American snub, if I'm not mistaken. Like he should have clearly been the um, a McDonald's All American. Oh, okay. Um, but what's really cool is you look at uh, Kawhi Leonard as a high schooler, and he was a much more of a 
of a four. Like he was much more of a power forward. And then um, you look at some of his game today, you can really still see elements of it um, in regards to like the board man get paid. Like, you know, like his footwork around the rim and stuff. He's, I think he's. I think it's underrated how how physical he plays, in my opinion. Yes, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent, bro. He's he's one of the things, and it's crazy that we talked about Kobe earlier um, because to me, Kobe Bryant, that's one of the more underrated parts about Kobe is the nastiness that he plays with. But if you just look at it, bro, Kobe is like six seven, and he's like he's a big six seven by the, especially by the time he. Uh, he started getting into the thick of his career and you just look at some of the other two guards that were guarding him. And it was just like, man, like I remember one of my favorite players. I don't know if you know who OJ Mayo is, but he was like one of my, he's one of my favorite players and he's a two guard. And I just remember the first time he played Kobe and I was like, man, did you shrink dude? You know what I'm saying? Like, but like Kobe is huge. And then Kawhi Leonard. um, Honestly, that's one of the big things why Kawhi to me, is a notch or two above Paul George mm-hmm. is because Kawhi, Kawhi, he, he, he looked for the contact. You know, he'll, he'll catch the ball closer to the rim. I want the contact. I'm a yell. I, you know what I mean? Especially in the playoffs, he, he don't mess around. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's just a, he, he, he attacks first, just a real big physical presence. And, uh, yeah, especially in short bursts that, that allowed the Clippers last year to like be able to go small because they didn't, they didn't really struggle with like rebounding a ton because of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George too. But yeah, Kawhi Leonard, uh, his physicality is definitely underrated. Well, very interesting stuff to hear from you there. But uh, now I just wanted to kind of dive into you more individually and specifically your social media following. So going into your social media following Jamal and kind of like you more individually as a person, um, you know, you've developed a following where you have about, you know, almost 8,000 followers on Twitter now, almost around 87,000 on Instagram. Um, yeah. And, you know, real quick, shout yourself out. Let, let, let the people know your Instagram, your Twitter handles. Uh, Jamal Christopher, um, J-A-M-A-L-C-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R on the gram. And on Twitter, J-A-M-C-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, you know, you hinted on it earlier. Um, you are a music artist and you have gained some real traction with that. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, like, what got you on that scene? And, you know, I specifically, I've seen where you've met Dom Kennedy and Big Sean. And I mean, that had to have been pretty cool. Oh, yeah, man. Those are those are my guys. Uh, Dom Kennedy um, used to live like like around the block from me in Lamert. Uh and then, you know, he started like blowing up and stuff. Um, but yeah, he used to live like right up right up the street, man. And then his manager was like my next door neighbor up until like three months ago. Oh, okay. Um but yeah, um when it comes to that, man, I was a senior in high school. You know, most people get that, you know what I mean, once you uh, once you reach a certain age and you realize you aren't going to make the NBA and you're like, well, what am I going to do with my life? I was a senior in high school and yeah, I was playing around with music and my teammates were like, Hey man, you should take it serious. You're pretty good. And you know, I really liked it. So I didn't even think twice. I was like, all right. And so, um, just doing that for, for some years 
and then from there, uh, I was putting out projects every year while I was in college. Uh, when I graduated, I had reached a point where I had got, de- I developed a following, but then um, from there it was like, okay, I want to take it to another level. So it was like, uh, what can I do to, to like expand my fan base or whatever? And then um, I just kind of decided that the music isn't going to do it um, because I'm not as transcendent of a musician as I thought, as I think I am. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I still like, I still like music, but it was like, uh, sometimes you got to realize you got to take another route. Right. And so one thing I started doing more on Instagram was just posting more of my, of my life, like where I eat, uh, the people I'm with and I still could do a better job of that, but what I'm wearing, stuff like that. And through that and through years and years of doing that and presenting that in a, in a, in a certain type of way, um, people just flock to, to my gram, you know? And, um, that's kind of where I got to where I'm at now. And with, with, uh, Twitter, uh, my brother's on Clipper Twitter at LA Clippers film. Um, oh, he was on. So, so that's your brother? That's my twin brother. I did not know that. Yeah, that's my twin brother. Okay, that's and awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, he was on it. He was on it first, and you know, he I used to always see him doing it or whatever. And I was like, man, I, I would love to uh, get on um, Twitter, but I don't have anybody to talk to because at this time I had an original Twitter, but it got suspended, uh... and so. Yeah, man. Uh, they took me down for some copyright BS. Oh. But uh, yeah, he, um, my brother was on on Clipper Twitter, and I was like, man, it'd be really cool to get on Clipper Twitter. But I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to start from the bottom. I, I it's going to take too long to develop a following. I was one of those guys, right? And so, flash forward to like 2019. Yeah, 2019. Uh, I kind of got wind that Kawhi was going to be a Clipper. Like, and and then you could just read the tea leaves. And I was like, yo, Kawhi Leonard is really going to join the Clippers. I really think he's going to join the Clippers, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know if you remember Ayer Abram. He was on Twitter at the time talking about Kawhi was going to go to the Lakers. And I was like, man, I should be that guy for the Clippers. And then once he goes to the Clippers, boom, that'd yeah. be like, that'd be the way to start it. And so that's kind of, that was kind of my thing in the beginning. I went by a different handle back then. And um, so, yeah, those are fun times. I was like going back and forth, pretending like I was an insider. And I was like telling people like, yo, Kawhi is going to the Clippers. Trust me. Trust me. And then I still, I still can find a tweet where when, the, when, when Chris Haynes tweeted it out, I was like, boom, I told you. That- and then that day I got like, I don't know, like 500 followers that day. It was crazy. So, so and then, I, I want to ask you a question about that now because yeah. I, I had no idea that this was a thing. Because obviously for me, I came into Clippers Twitter when Kawhi became a Clipper. So, like, when did you kind of hear more about Kawhi becoming a Clipper? Like, you know, if you kind of got some insight or whatever, like, how early were you on this? I got wind of it. I wouldn't say wind of it, but I I, I heard some things uh, maybe a few months before, like before the playoffs started in 2019. 
Wow. Yeah, I, somebody had told me, I, like, I can't go off of, like, this isn't somebody like an NBA insider or somebody oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. But, like, he told me it. And I was just like, man, I, I it makes sense. You know what I mean? Because it was like, once the Clippers that year presented themselves to be a much, like, a functioning organization at the same time as the Lakers were just, like, making a mess of themselves, a lot like they're, they're doing now. Um, like it, it just made sense. The Clippers were like clearing cap space. It was they were just doing like off the wall stuff. Like Tobias, best player. Oh, we're in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, let's trade Tobias Harris. Yeah. It was like, like what's going on here, man? You know. And then, um, by the end of the, uh, I would say by the end of the All Star break, that's when I kind of was like, oh yeah, I think he's coming because Woj was just kind of speaking in code at that point. Mm-hmm. Um. And like I'll never forget the night that the Raptors won the chip. That very same night, Woj was on Sports Center, and he said Kawhi Leonard um, decision. The Raptors are still playing catch up to the LA teams. And I was like, why would he be playing catch up when he just won a chip with them? Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's out of there. He's okay. out of there. And there would be reports where like once the Lakers, uh, the Lakers got AD. And then once the reports came out where it was like the Clippers are still in the mix, I was like, oh, he's going to L.A. He's just trying to find a way to get – he's going to the Clippers. He's just going – he's trying to find a way to get another star because it's yeah. like, like, yo, we, we're the Lakers. We're the big team in L.A. We have 17 championships. We have LeBron. We have A.D. Why are the Clippers still in the mix? There's no reason for the Clippers still in the mix. What else do you need to be convinced by? And then that's <laughs> when I was like, Oh snap! He's really gonna come to LA, and then you started hearing about well, Kawhi's trying to get KD to come, and he's trying to get Jimmy Butler to come, and um, Paul George was still under contract, so it was kind of a bit uh, tougher for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I to answer the question, like I heard, I heard about it a little bit before that from somebody, um, and then the actions followed that kind of made sense, and it was like. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's going to. I think he's gonna come. Um, I'm a big believer in like Lawrence Frank and and Ballmer and what we were doing and Jerry West, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I would say not super super early, but I got wind of it. That's that's insane. Um, and then you know, just last thing that I wanted to touch on with like your following and stuff is. There's a video that I honestly bet a lot of people have seen and have no idea that it comes from you. And that's your video where you were, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think you were like driving through LA or something and you were playing Earthquake in your car. Ah. You saw Tyler, the creator, as you were playing it and that video just exploded. So I just wanted to ask you, did you expect that video to get as much traction as it did? And... For I just like that had to have been just a super cool thing to experience. Man, it was cool, man. I, I did not expect it went like yeah, it went crazy, bro. I, I did not expect that. Uh I was with my brother. Um, we were driving and we were tur- towards this area called uh the Grove in LA. It's in um like West Hollywood. And yeah, Tyler frequents over there a lot. Um I actually had met him before. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, he's a different type of dude, you know, like the last time I had seen him before that was at the Grove and he was just like, um, in Barnes and Noble, just like reading magazines by himself and stuff. It was like real early in the morning. I was like, what? Like you're Tyler, you know, 
But yeah, I, I'm a big Tyler Creator fan. Um, to kind of tie it back into what I was talking about, uh, Tyler and the whole Odd Future thing. Uh, when Odd Future first started, there was a rapper by the name of Casey Veggies that was in the group. Uh, Casey Veggies was like the first time I had ever done a, like a feature with like a big name artist. Um, so that kind of helped me start back in the day. Uh, but yeah, no, that Tyler situation, man, it was crazy. I had, uh, my, my little cousin was telling me like, bro, you're on TikTok. The video was like on TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok and it made like complex and stuff. And yeah, it's really, it's really crazy when stuff like that happens on, on Twitter, man. It, it really like takes me back because you know i've been um doing music for so long and like i remember thinking like man like if i could get a song to go this viral i'd be out of here like i wouldn't have to go to work in the morning you know yeah. and you know but that doesn't happen but a video like that or a tweet about the clippers would make house of highlights or something and it's like man what's that that's crazy you know so i i never uh i never expected that to happen but no, that's cool, man. I, I I love Tyler the Creator. I love that record, Earthquake. Uh, Puppet is my favorite song off of that album. But yeah, I, it was pretty cool, man. And and he was a he was real he was really cool about it. Uh, it was like a Twilight Zone kind of thing because I was like, no way am I seeing Tyler the Creator while I'm dumping Tyler the Creator. Like this can't be life, right? And like a lot of people think, like in the tweets and stuff, they would be like, oh man, you. Yeah, that's not organic. Like you definitely didn't. I was like, bro, I did. I promise you, I was turning. I was listening to Tyler, the creator, and I looked up and it was Tyler, you know? So, uh, no, nah, it's crazy, man. When you, some of the stuff you can see in LA, man, that's all I can say. Yeah. Just so speaking of some of the stuff you can see in LA, you are like big time, bro. I was just wondering. Not really. How do you, no, no, no. This is, this, what I'm about to say is big time. How do you know Zendaya? Ah, man, <laughs> I don't know Zendaya, but I, I have a story about Zendaya. So, I don't know if you guys, this is, I don't want to get, like, too deep, but, like, are you guys familiar with the law of attraction and, like, manifesting things and speaking things into existence? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Fairly, yeah, yeah, so, so, I remember I was, I was making a song. I was making a song. This is back in the day. I was making a song, and I'm in the studio trying to come up with the second verse. And then, you know, my brother was like, yo, you need to start, like, speaking things into existence in your raps. You know what I mean? Because, like, you, when you say those things, you say it with emotion. And that's the type of stuff and that type of energy you need to project to manifest the things you want. And so I was like, okay. And I made a rap that me and Zendaya were going to go on a date. I literally just made it up out of thin air. A week later, I went to the movies. Um, at the Grove, ironically, and on the way out of the movie, I went by myself because, like, I do the like I go to the movies by myself sometimes. And back in the day, I used to go a lot. And I came out of the movie, and there she was, right there with her dad. And I was like, "No way!" Like, I just made a rap about you, and you're right here. And so, yeah, I went and introduced myself to her, and she was like, "Really cool, man." She smelled great. Uh, yeah, she was awesome, man. And we had a real conversation about like just life and where she was trying to take things. And um, yeah, she, she was really cool that day. Um, but no, I, I don't know Zendaya. I wish I did, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just saw Zendaya the picture. And I saw the picture and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, nah, man. Zendaya is like uh, one of my crushes, man. Uh, the guy, she posted something today about the guy that she's with, and it's his birthday. And I messed up my day, but nah, Zendaya, Zendaya is awesome, though. In, in, in case you guys don't follow Jamal, he says one of his crushes, uh, if you do follow Jamal, you know that he is a big Malika Andrews guy. <laughs> Yeah, dog. Like, man, man, dude. I, just a fun, fun little tidbit there, bro. You seen what went uh went viral with uh, who she's with? Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, I why can't why am I blanking on his name? ESPN guy. Yeah, Dave. Yes, Dave uh, McMinnon or something like that. You know what's crazy, bro? Uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but. Can I say his name? I'm going to say his name. You know who Tomer is? Yes, yeah. Bro, he DM'd me on, like, a few months ago, and he was like, because I was tweeting about Malika Andrews, you know how he DM'd me. He was like, bro, you're not going to believe who she's with. And I was like, who? And he told me this, like, months ago, and I was like, bro, no way. <laughs> and then I was just like, I acted like it didn't happen. And <laughs> then that came out. And I was like, yo, Dave got that? That's crazy. That's but, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so you know we just wanted to dive into just you more individually but obviously having you on you know big time Clipper fan we of course have to talk Clippers okay so this season you know the team went 42 and 40 but it's taken into account we did not have Kawhi Leonard all year we did not have Paul George for 51 games Marcus Morris was out for 28 games and Nick Batum was out for 23 games. And although we did have Norman Powell acquisition, he only played in five regular season games with the Clippers. Um, you know, we ended up losing the first play in game to the T wolves, uh, you know, came down to the end and then. Uh, Just reopening some wounds right now. Huh? <laughs> Trust me. I don't have fun talking about these things. <laughs> And then Paul George gets COVID right before we play the Pelicans in that second playing game. And we ultimately end up losing that one, even though it felt like things were going our way in that game, especially in the second half specifically. And we just couldn't finish it out. So I just wanted to ask you first off, um, leading up to the play-in, did you ever get optimistic about Kawhi? Because obviously – you know, at one time late in the season, we did not have Kawhi, Paul George, or Norman Powell, and there seemed to be more optimism on Paul George and Norman Powell, but there was a lot of unknown about Kawhi. Um, did you specifically ever get optimistic about him returning? He, I wouldn't call it optimistic. I, I definitely thought it was a chance. Um, I definitely thought it was a real chance if we got into the playoffs. Yeah. I, I really did. Um, I was tweeting about how the language Ty Lue started using. Um, like Ty Lue said, I'm not going to play guys without any ramp up. You, I, I'm not going to just throw them into playoff games. Mm -hmm. And then like a week later, you see Kawhi Leonard working out in the Oracle, I think. And then like a week after that, you hear Ty Lue saying, uh, well, um, you know, I'll leave it up to the, uh, if the <laughs> player. If he want to play, then I'll throw him out there. And then it was like, okay, why is he changing his language like that? I, I really did think Kawhi would have a chance if we made the playoffs. Um, but I don't know if I would call it optimistic. 
Um, I thought it, it became pretty clear um, after a while that we were going to get Norman and PG back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kawhi. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think. Uh, I wouldn't say optimistic, um, but I thought there was a chance. I gotcha. And you know, you you talked about Ty Lue's remarks, but uh, you know, talking about Ty Lue specifically, I just want to talk about the brilliance of the guy. I mean, it, to me, it seems like so many players are able to thrive under him, especially offensively. Obviously, he has a good defense, and he's been able to show that he's a good kind of defensive mind. But I just feel like guys can play more freely under him. What do you think it is about Ty Lue specifically that just gives these guys more confidence? I, I think Ty Lue um... – is closer to being one of the guys than like an actual coach, um, which sometimes can be a good thing or sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, but he, I think the best way I've heard it described is uh, somebody said, Ty Lu, um, he's really good at, he'll punch you in the chest, but he won't leave a bruise or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds like Ty Lue, man. When you hear stories about how he cussed out LeBron at halftime in game seven of the 16 finals, it's like, yo, are you going to guard Draymond? He's fucking busting your ass. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like yeah. that. Um, he treats one through 15 all the same, I think, um, in terms of what he expects from them. Um, I think Ty Lue's biggest trait um, is his malleability. Um I think sometimes when you get a coach who's been a head coach for like 30 years, um, they're kind of hardened by their experiences. And especially in the biggest of moments, uh, they're going to go with what they know. Uh, Ty Lue is not that guy in, in, a, in a certain sense where it's like, I'll go with whatever, I'll go with whatever works, especially if it's a series. Yeah. Uh, you know, by, by, I'll start something in game one, and by game seven, I might not even be playing that guy. You know what I mean? He, I, I he's definitely not stubborn. Right. Like, I, he can be. He can be. Um, I, like, in the playing game, uh, the second one, I thought uh, he should have went back to Zoo at some point. Um, and sometimes he leans on his crutch, which is small ball to me, a little bit too much. So, um, But, I, yeah. I think, I think my only – my only thing I would point out with that is that Ty Lue is obviously more fit for a series than he is to that one-game scenario. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, which is kind of why I didn't really – I didn't really give too much into that game. Um, once we got up like 12 or 13 or something, I was like, yo, we're about to play Phoenix. And yeah. I'm thinking about it. I was like, okay, I don't even want to – yeah, that's – oh. Man, all, all but, that's on yeah. my mind is, hey, we're going to get these guys and we'll see if we can give them a fight or whatever with the same without Kawhi, just like we did last year. Right. You know what I mean? But, and then in the back of my mind, I was like, no way are the Suns going to get off easy by playing the Clippers again without Kawhi Leonard yeah. back, back here. Like, no way, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, I think Ty Lu, um, his biggest trait is his ability. You know, I, me personally, one of the, the defining moments to me of uh Ty Lue is when we played we played the Mavericks in in round one and he didn't he sat Pat Beverly he was our starting guard all year and he sat him right and then really, by game really, six with Zubak as well yeah you know what I mean but like with both of those guys right so like by game six against 
uh, the Jazz, Pat Bev has like 18 points in the closeout game because it's it's your game now. It's your time to go back in, you know? Uh, we needed somebody to battle with Aiden, and Zubak was giving Aiden like 18 and 15 in the conference finals, you know, after not playing in the first round. So That was an underrated, um, that was an underrated injury in that series. Underrated, big time, big time. Um, yeah, I, I remember when it happened. Well I was at that game. I think we very well could have pushed them seven if he wasn't out of the series. Do I, yeah. do I think we would have came out of it? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. But definitely could have pushed it the distance. I think we could have. Um, I think PG was starting to get tired. Um, and I think he emptied the clip in game five. Uh, game six to me, he just, looked, he just looked like he was out of gas. I think Ty Lue mentioned it as well. But I was at that game in person. And, like, yeah, he was, he was out of gas, bro. Um, so I got, I don't know. Um, but I, I think Zubac definitely helps, um, for sure. Because especially last year, like it'd be different if it was this year and we had like Isaiah backing up mm -hmm. Zoo, who I'm not even sure Isaiah is the most playoff friendly, but I'm putting him out there over like DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, Ty Lu, Ty Lu is, is awesome. I, did you see that, um, uh, that piece that came out about him and what Iguodala said about Ty Lue earlier I, today? You know, I, I saw that, like, what was tweeted, but I've just been so busy today I wasn't able to actually, like, read it. Yeah, bro, check it out. Iggy, Iggy, um, Iguodala uh, says some really kind things about uh, Ty Lue and how Ty Lue is one of the main guys responsible for changing the uh, narrative when it comes to, like, black head coaches in the league and how Ty Lue is the, one of the most, if not the most feared man in the NBA when it comes to coaches and, and coaches that you have to game plan for. Uh, and I was like, man, it's really cool to hear that from a guy who's an NBA champion and a guy who's battled with Ty Lue in the NBA finals. So, um, but yeah, no, all credits to Ty Lue. He's one of the reasons why I think we have a chance next year. For sure. And, uh, you know, since we got into some Zubok talk, um, now, I just want to talk about the continued ascension of him as a player. I, I just, to me, it's more and more impressive each year. Uh, you know, even watching him from his early days, I, I thought it was just weird that the Lakers just kind of gave up on him so early and just how he's been able to thrive with the Clippers. You know, I think you can consider him like a real, a real rim protector at this point. Easily, for sure. Uh, I love Zoo, man. Um, Especially like when you have two wings who make the the kind of money um, that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do. Um, to have Zoo on a deal that he's on, uh, it, it's a bargain, man. You you just really can't find productive centers to the to the level of Zoo um, at that price point in a league. Uh, Zoo, from the moment he's been a, a all-time dumb move by the Lakers, by the way. Like, we got to talk about that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's well, – not talk about it, but, like, that's silly, man. Like, even, magic even is when it happened, deal. to me, it was like – I just didn't understand why they just gave up so early. And it's not like – it's not like he'd done anything where it's like, oh, we need to give up on him. Like, I thought he'd shown flashes. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially in Vegas, a lot of the young Lakers showed flashes in that. And Zoo was one of them. So, yeah, but thank you, Magic. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, Zoo, from the moment he stepped into uh, the role as a starting center on the Clippers, the Clippers have just been one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, and I thought this year was, you know, if you ever wanted to question Zoo's value, 
this year was like he showed you, man. He he took a step as an offensive player. Um, he gave Jokic like thirty something this season. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, but the fact that Paul George, no Paul George, no Kawhi, and the Clippers still had an elite defense. Um, that speaks to Zoo. I vividly remember last season um, when Ty Lue decided to start Serge Ibaka instead of Zoo. Mm-hmm. And for the first portion of the season, we were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And um, honestly, uh, looking back on it, that stretch was crucial to why we ended up getting the four seed and having to play Luka in the first round because yeah. we started the season off so inconsistent defensively. I think we were like 20th in defense to start the year last year then yeah and then he uh he decided to start zoo instead of surge and then our defense went right back up again and yeah i i kind of loosely talked about gobert and zoo in the same breath um in terms of what they provide for your defense yeah um yeah i I can't say enough about zoo um his minutes keep going up every year um, it'll be interesting to see where that part of Zoo's uh, development goes um, because, like I said earlier, uh, Ty Lue does tend to lean on small ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I uh, think the Clippers can improve on is if we are going to go small, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being back definitely helped this, but one of the things you, you look for is, like, if we're going to go small, we need a we need some more guys that are agile. You know, Marcus Morris isn't as agile. Yeah. And there would be some moments where it's like, instead of going Marcus Morris at the five or whatever to go small, throw Zoo out there. I, I think Zoo is awesome. You know what I mean? So, um, no, I, I love Zoo, man. And um, it's been incredible to watch him go from, like, you know, fighting his way to actually being a starting center on teams that are trying to win championships. It, it truly is a, a great development for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've loved watching him. So I, I hope we're able to keep him long term. Um, and then, you know, I also just wanted to point out, uh, you know, how great uh, Lawrence Frake and Jerry West have been and specifically the move at the deadline. Obviously, the Norman Powell got a lot of got a lot of like headlines going where we got him. But Robert Covington was the sneaky part of that. And honestly, yeah, at the time, Robert Covington had been, I don't want to say like written off necessarily, but I read them all. People, I wrote them all. Yeah, I mean, depending on the person, maybe. But, like, people weren't really viewing Robert Covington as this premier 3 and D player anymore. And in our small stretch we had him, he seems like he's going to be great for us. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like he probably should have played a little more as the season ended. And I think especially being on this, since he is in the – I don't want to call it long-term plan now because it's a two-year deal, but the fact that we got him two more years, I think that you might start to see more of that. And, you know, I just wanted to ask you, like, where do you think he ranks him on the roster right now? And, like, do you think he is a huge piece of what could potentially be a championship core next year? 100%. 100%. I always talk about the the funny Rocco story is, like, before the trade, like, if I'm not mistaken, like, a day or two before the trade, they played the Lakers. And, like, Rocco was – he just was so bad, man. Like, I was just, like – I literally was tweeting about it. I was like, yo, he's washed. <laughs> like, man, he – I was telling people, like, he's always been more named than, like, game and da-da-da-da. And then he got traded to the Clippers. I was like, oh, no. 
<laughs> you know, but kind of like what you um, said about uh, Lawrence Frank and, and Jerry West and Michael Ringer and like the entire front office, man, they kind of can see things that a lot of people can't. And um, yeah, almost from like instantly, the moment he got to the Clippers, it was just like, wow, wow. You know what I mean? Like he, 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 he puts out so many fires um, on the back line. He's not the best on ball defender, but um, he holds his own. But, yeah, off the ball, deflections, he's just incredible, man. Um, I agree with you. Um, down the stretch especially, he should have played more. Um, Mook was taking up some, some minutes that I thought should have went to Rocco for sure. Um, there were There were games where, like, uh, he literally would come in and we would just take off. And it was just very evident that he should be playing more. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a big part of it. Um, I think Rocco looking the way that he did kind of gave the Clippers a bit confidence to, like, get him in a two-year deal and uh, potentially move on from Mook. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I 100% think Robert Cummington – because – when you, when you talk about Ty Lue, and again, his crutch is going small, you need guys that can play small ball. And if you can find those guys, you know, I always, I always say this, man, like guys that can make 38, 40% on threes and are six, seven, six, eight, and then can be competent defenders, they make a lot of money. And it's very hard to find them. And for the Clippers to have a plethora of them, Boston has some of, some of the other ones as well. It's like, you know, you, you really you really do uh, try and lock those in um, as, as fast as you can. And so, like, I'm glad Rocco is here, and I'm glad that he's a part of the plans, it seems, for the Clippers. You know, I think Norman was, like, the easy, easy part. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I think we really did need another guy that can get you 19 to 20 a night, and you land, in, you land on Norman Powell. Uh, I just remember doing the double take when the trade happened. I was like, what? Like shout out, shout out Bledsoe, shout out Winslow, uh, Keon. Uh, thank you for your services. Definitely appreciate it. And that's not lip service. I definitely appreciate it. But like, what? Like, why did we? I I didn't ask twice though. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I'm I'm excited about next season for, um, for Norman Powell's success and Robert Covington's success. Uh, just just brilliant moves at the deadline from the Clippers. But at this point, I don't think we. Um, most would expect any less from that group. Yeah. And then just, you know, lastly, going into the Clippers offseason and next season, I just have a few rap, just for time's sake, just a few rapid fire questions, and then we will get on to our finals preview. But um, okay. just just few rapid fire questions here. Should the Clippers target a third star? Yes. Okay. I, I think I agree. Um, and just real quick, uh, what do you think that package potentially looks like? I I don't know. Uh, that's that's, that's part that's of the uh, back. Yeah, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, our our two best players uh, are just too dicey when it comes to health. Um, yeah. If you told me Kawhi and PG are at least playing sixty five games, hundred percent sure. Um, I don't think we need it. Um, I don't think we need it per se. Uh, but. If it's available, um, I'm definitely – I definitely think we should kick the tires on it. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And then um, what are your expectations for this team going into next season? Uh, they're my pick to win it all. <laughs>
Clippers' first ever championship in franchise history. I I think that's more than fair to say, and I'm really hoping that you're right. But now, it's healthy, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Now we are getting on to the last series of the NBA playoffs, the NBA Finals. On to the long-awaited NBA Finals. We finally have our matchup with the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Now, I think it's a very intriguing matchup. I'm expecting a really good series. The Warriors do have home court, which I think is a big deal considering they have not lost a game on their home floor in these playoffs yet. Um, You know, you are getting more rest for both teams now. Um, Golden State's had about a week off. Boston, although it's not been a ton off, three days off is a big deal. Whenever for two weeks straight, all you got was a day in between every game. And then there's no more times where there's only one day rest in between games except for the going from game three to game four. But at least for them, there's no travel uh, during that. They'll still be in Boston. So they'll get a full day rest, won't have to travel or anything. Um, these two teams played twice in the regular season. I this does take this with a grain of salt. Nothing crazy. People out. Uh, moves made for the Boston Celtics uh, after one of their games, but they played in December. Golden State won by four, and then they played. Um, they played in March, and uh, Boston won by like twenty-two. Uh, Steph got hurt in that game. There was no Draymond. So, you know, I mean, just take those with a grain of salt, but that's just what happened in the regular season. Obviously, I'm assuming a lot of you have probably seen some stuff going around that Boston has kind of had Golden State's number. They're the only team since this Golden State dynasty kind of took off to have like a winning record against them in the regular season. Um, You know, I think Marcus Smart is since like 2016 or something like that, or maybe it's 2017, I don't know, maybe even 2018, is like 5-0. Uh, at Golden State, Tatum is like has one. Oh, loss. Wow. Brown has one loss. So like they're they've been successful in the past. Marcus Smart, uh, in the past like five years or so, has held Steph Curry to like twenty nine percent shooting as the primary defender. So I mean, just you definitely see some things that favor Boston. Um, I just have a question for both of you, real quick, and either one of you chime in first. Who is the best player in this series? Stephen Curry. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I'm gonna go. With Steph, it's it's uh, he's just different, bro. He's just different. <laughs> so I'm actually going to disagree, and I won't like argue a ton over it. But I just think, I and I, you know, I I have no problem with somebody saying Steph. Like it's I'm not going to like say, oh, you're wrong. But like to me, I just feel like some of the things that Tatum's done this year. You know, being a member of the first team All NBA, got some All Defense votes. And uh, what he's doing in the playoffs right now, 27, 7, and 6. Been such a good playmaker. Hit some big-time shots for Boston down the stretch. You know, what he's done defensively on some guys as well. Again, I have no problem with someone saying Steph Curry, but me personally, I'm going with Jason Tatum on this. I think – Yeah, I I think – I have Boston winning the series, so – um, I think I think Tatum can be the best player within these next six or so games. Yeah. In that context, but like, um, I, I don't think he's a better player than Steph Curry. Uh, but yeah, no, I I, I definitely get it. Um, especially uh, the Warriors are a bit small. Yeah. Um, and there's some things that 
I like about this matchup for Tatum and Jalen. Uh, so yeah, I can see it. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, and just just kind of a fun note as well. I think it's like I think it's worth noting. Jason Tatum is also the leader in total plus minus in the playoffs right now at plus one twenty nine. Um, yeah, he's 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 having a a, a great run. Um, yeah. I tweeted something, um, and people tried to like give me some pushback for it, uh, but it was true, man. Like he he went through Katie and Kyrie, then he went through Giannis. Jimmy Butler turned into Kawhi. He went through that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, he's he's having a really great run. I mean, he's not doing it by himself, obviously. No. But, yeah. No. 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 But just yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, some stuff I wanted to bring up the the matchups. Um, obviously, I think I think we can all agree that Marcus Smart will be on Steph Curry. Um. You know, I, something I'm looking for, because if you go back and, you know, kind of watch some of the previous games, Tatum will guard Draymond in spurts. And I'm actually looking for that early on because I think that it's going to make more sense for them, for Tatum to switch a lot of those DHO actions. Um, yeah. I mean, you got could you guys see that? I, yeah, I can. And I mean – not to jump too far ahead of ourselves, but like it's the what you gonna do a wig series. Yeah, yeah. My guys is wigs and pool uh, for the series for um, the Warriors. I I think if the Warriors are going to pull this off, um, I think they're gonna have to have a big series from those two guys because the the, the Celtics just are so big and they just switch everything that a lot to me the way I look at this series is going is like um not to even bring the Clippers back into this but like that's why honestly going into next year the only other team that I could see beating the Warriors is the Clippers because uh the wings um and the and the playable size that the Celtics and the Clippers throw out there I think that's kind of the only way to really corral the Warriors in the way that they play basketball yeah. Uh, Curry is coming off of DHO. You have to just be able to switch everything. Mm-hmm. And once the Celtics switch everything and they blow everything up, then it's like, okay, get in your bag. And it's like, well, Wiggins is, uh, you know what I mean? So, like, you really are going to need Jordan Poole to to have a really good series, I think, um, along with Steph, Stephen Curry being as close to the best version of himself as possible. But yeah, it's a pretty intimidating thing to go against when you're when you're uh, going up against the Celtics. And um, I've heard some things regarding people uh, ranking this Celtics defense as like an all-time defense. And like I get it, uh, they, they're they're just a really tough unit to go up against. And then if you happen to make it to the rim, Robert Williams and Horford mm-hmm. are there waiting for you. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like I I I just. W- you know, it's ironic. I really do think they miss Kevin Durant in a matchup like this. Uh, then now, instead, you're going up against the Celtics, and your best shot creators are like six two, six three, and so yeah, I, I'm I'm very anxious to see how the Warriors get their stuff off against the Celtics. Uh, it should be interesting. Yeah. Um. One thing, you know, continuing with matchups is I I think Jalen Brown will probably be on Clay, and then I think obviously Rob. Williams will be on Kavon Looney. Um, and then so I think that that puts Horford on Wiggins. 
And, you know, I think Horford is a great defender, but I think one thing I'm looking for early, assuming Tatum is on Draymond, is, you know, if you look back at the beginning of the Dallas series, Luka was guarding Andrew Wiggins. And one thing that Golden State kind of reverted to was bringing Wiggins to get involved with more of those actions with Steph yep. to make Luka work because they weren't just going to let him just hide. And so I guess what I'm looking for is – are they going to experiment and see, hey, if we make Horford come up like we did with Luca, can we get anything better than trying to use Draymond as much since Tatum is going to be the guy switching off? I I can see it. Um, but Horford on defense is – I know Horford is up there in age, but he is not Luca. Like, oh, Luca no, sometimes no. – yeah, sometimes Luca is just like, eh, you know, on defense. But – uh, that's one of the ways that they can attack it. Um, they gotta, they gotta seek out any mismatch they can. Um, I like how they didn't let Luca off the hook. Yeah. All series and whoever Luca was guarding, you're gonna set the screen and we're gonna involve you in the play. Um, and I think that's obviously gonna be your best option because if you look on the floor, um, there's just not many other places for the the Warriors to pick on in the same regard as they did with Luca. Um, you're not picking on Jalen's man. You're not picking on Marcus Smart. You're not picking on Tatum. Uh, you can try with Robert Williams, but if you get to the rim, um, he's a guy who I think was uh, just as deserving as all defense um, as Marcus Smart, to be honest. Deep boy. Uh, so uh, I, I have a theory that that, that was Rob's award in, until he got hurt. I agree. I can see that. I, I just yeah. think that they felt obligated to give it to someone on that. I'm not not to discredit Marcus Smart. He was all defense first team, in my opinion. But I'm just saying, I think they felt obligated to give it to someone on that defense since they were so good. I don't think a guard should ever win uh, defensive player of the year. And we've, that's just my opinion. We've actually said the same thing on this podcast before, actually, <laughs> after it was announced. Yeah. We, mm -hmm. we just think that somebody anchoring that defense is a lot more important than. A, you know, as as good as as much as you need good defensive guards, I just don't think that right. is as much. It's just so tough for you to to impact the defense that far away from the basket. Like the name of the game is scoring. Like Robert Williams is stopping you from scoring. You know, Gobert is stopping you from scoring. Yeah. Like how is you know what I mean? But uh, not to discredit Marcus Smart, he's a great defender. And, exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they attack the the Celtics because, like again, there's just not many. Uh, holes in their defense, um, and I'm I want to see on the other end too. It's like uh, how how much are you going to play Jordan Poole? Because mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean. Like there, this is not the Nuggets without uh, half of their team. This is not the Mavericks with Spencer and Jalen as their best next best players. This is not the Grizzlies without Ja. This is by far and away to me the best team that they played. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm just interested to see, like, some of the things they got away with, you know, seems like, you know, you were playing Maxi Cleaver and, and Kevin, Kevon Looney was looking like Will Chamberlain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and and I like Kevon Looney. I, I yeah. think he's a he's a really championship-friendly player. I, I really do. But it's like Robert Williams is there now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I'm just so anxious to see how the Warriors combat this because uh, my brother thinks I'm crazy, but it's like I don't see a path towards the Warriors winning this series, to me, unless uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like, play really below their standards. Otherwise, I really do think they should win the series.
Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll definitely get towards my prediction towards the end, but um, you know, on the opposite side, I I I think Steph Curry will start out on Smart. I think Clay will probably start out on Brown. I think Wiggins will guard Tatum. I think Draymond will be on Al, and then I think Kevon Looney will be on Bob. Now, you know, one thing that Dallas tried to do was see what was going to happen if they tried to hunt either Curry or Poole. And one thing you noticed quickly was they weren't going to switch that. They were going to hedge hard, and then Steph yeah. were going to bust it and go recover somewhere and go find that, go find some shooter or somebody in an opposite corner or something to recover on. Now, I guess my question is, do you think that that is going to be as effective as it was against Dallas? Because to me, my questions are, Dallas is a lot of like catch and shoot or catch and move it. Whereas Boston, there's definitely more like, there's a lot of guys that it could be pitched to in that scenario and they can go make a play. Yeah, I think it could be um... – I think so. Yeah, you you mentioned a great point where with the Mavericks, um, you know, Steph hedge is hard. Uh, if you catch them at the right time, the shot is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Celtics, they don't need to be. They don't need to do that. Um, they they have more guys that they can get the ball to that can actually puncture the defense and make a play. Yeah. Um, so. I guess I, I guess I would say like I don't think that the hedging is going to be as effective um, because especially to one of the things when when people talk about hedging um, that's why I give Steph a lot of credit that's a lot of work it's yeah. it, it's hard it's hard to do and he's he's done and, a great job he's done a great job recovering off of it especially in the Dallas series yeah he he did a phenomenal job um, but when you're recovering to like um, and it sounds like I'm getting on them, but I'm not. Like when you're recovering to like Reggie Bullock or you know Jalen or or Spencer, that's one thing. But like when you're trying to recover to Jalen Brown, that's another because it's like you have to get over there, mm-hmm. or else or else you it's all kind of problems. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm anxious to see that. I don't think it is going to be as successful, um, but. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Steph at that size uh, can be so effective. And he's turned himself into a pretty competent defender because he he, he just works, man. He works hard at it. And um, you can kind of see Poole um, doing the same thing, although I'm, I'm anxious to see what, what they're going to do with him because, uh, yeah, they, they I, I just don't like when they play Poole and Steph together a ton. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, couldn't agree more. Tommy, do you, do you think that that's something that Boston could be successful off of more so than Dallas was? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that Boston is just, I mean, they're just better than, than Dallas was. And I think that they're going to make the plays that Dallas sometimes didn't. Cause I mean, the Warriors are playing literally a boxing one against and. Dallas was just missing shots in the corner, so they were missing open shots. So yeah, I don't think that uh, this Boston team is the same. You know, they have a Grant Williams who's gone off, gone off some games these playoffs, even though he hasn't looked impressive late, like as impressive lately. It's a new series; he's had rest, so I'm excited to see what what goes on. Yeah. Um. Now I've got some keys 
for uh, for both teams um, as well. And uh, you know, I, I want you guys to definitely chime in after and tell me if there's anything that you think is a key for either team. But for Boston specifically, you know, I've got you have to punish the Warriors on the glass in this series. You cannot let them get away with any form of small ball. Um, just with the huge size advantage, I think you have to, you know hunt the curry in the pool as much as you can just to see how they react, especially early on. Um, and I think they really have to stay locked in and smash all these actions that Golden State is going to try to throw at them. And, you know, the, I'll be interested in seeing how, like, Rob or Jalen Brown react to the, to the stuff off the ball. That's something I'll definitely be watching early. And I think that they need to run Steph and Clay off the line. Just me personally. But do you guys think that there's any other keys for Boston in this series? I would I would say the big one of the biggest keys for me is something you alluded to, which is uh I think Boston sometimes, especially with their two stars, uh can get a little bit uh I'm not gonna say trigger happy, but it's like turn down a good shot for a great shot with those two guys. And it's like don't let Jordan Poole or Steph Curry off the hook, but really Jordan Poole. Don't let him yeah. off the hook. Like, yeah. get him in as many actions as possible. Um, make him play. Make him play defense. Um, I think for, for the Celtics as well, a big key is um, along the lines of what you said, like running them off the line, um, yeah, lock in and make them play basketball. They, they, they do not have many guys who can create off of their own dribble. No. And their best guys that doing it are like six two, six three. If you just lock in and and you know what I mean on the backdoor cuts, the split actions. If you just lock in, make them score over the top of you. Uh, then we'll really see what the Warriors um, are about relative to the matchup. Because yeah, I, I'm looking at their at their at their roster right now and what they're going into with Game One, and it's like. Yeah, there's a there's a path for for the Celtics to really have their way if they stick to those things. Uh, like you said, just you know, you got to make pool play defense, man. You got to make pool play defense. You got to make Steph play defense. Um, I think Wiggins and and Looney um, had a terrific series versus Dallas, uh, but I think I think the Celtics should be able to control the boards. Uh, oh yeah a bit better with, with Robert Williams and Al Horford down there. Um, the Mavericks just had nothing underneath the rim. So uh, I, I look to see what the Warriors do. Wiggins has had a really good playoff run. I think the Celtics can kind of keep him in, in check. So uh, if you keep Wiggins in check, he's kind of like the only other guy with some size, really, that uh, in theory you could give the ball to and he can kind of like make some, some, some semblance of a playoff the dribble happen to me. Um, but yeah, with Clay, another guy, run him off the, run him off the, the three, and make him make a play off his own dribble. Yes, um, I, I think that'd be the key for uh, the Celtics and the Warriors. Just got to continue to doing what they what they've been doing. Yeah, I, think. I mean, we'll, um, we'll get we'll get to their keys. Tommy, do you do you have any kind of keys to Boston success that we maybe haven't touched on yet? Uh, nah, I, not that we haven't already touched on. Okay. What do you think is the most important thing for Boston? They got to they got to use the size. They have to. Yeah, I, I think that's I think it's pretty obvious. 
Now moving to Golden State, I think the keys for Golden State are, you know, they have a good defense, and but when they do make things happen and create turnovers, they have to get out and run. Like they they have that's where they're going to thrive more than anything. That's what they've done this postseason. They have to continue to do that. Get out and transition. You know, when you've got numbers and get those good looks. Um, just because of how nasty they are in transition compared to other teams, in my opinion. Um, they have, like like I touched on earlier, is getting Brown and Robert Williams involved in off-ball actions to see how they react and see if you can kind of not necessarily hunt them, but make them make a ton of decisions off the ball. Um, I don't know how they plan on guarding Tatum early on. That's why I don't have the money Steve Kerr has to make these decisions <laughs> but um you know whether that's whether that's sticking with the hedging or if they plan on blitzing him maybe more than other teams have um you know you just cannot let him mismatch hunt in my opinion and so we'll see how they guard him and uh Draymond Green is going to have to play like he did in the closeout game um not necessarily scoring as not necessarily like that exact game that he had, but being somewhat of a threat to score the ball at all. And uh, just not making life on Boston easy because just in a hypothetical scenario here, let's say that they do have to revert to more of the Wiggins thing to try to get Horford involved because that's something they see some success with, some success with opposed to getting more of the Draymond action while Tatum can yeah. off then you might hit yourself with a wall like they did against Memphis where he was just abysmal offensively. They can't afford that in this series, in my opinion. And just the last thing for me is uh, Clay making smart decisions on when to shoot the ball and when not to shoot. <laughs> um, you know, anything I did not touch on that you guys are looking for for Golden State to be successful in this series? I think nah, Steve, that was um, – well, so I have one. I think Steve Kerr is like a genius. So they just need to like follow his game, like whatever he writes down. He need they need to follow his game plan and adjust adjust how he says because this is a team that's played together and they have that core that's played together for so long. They have that chemistry. I just think they need to listen to listen to the, listen to coach. Yeah, I mean, I agree, Jamal. Yeah, uh, I think Steve Kerr is actually one of the most underrated coaches in like okay. the history of basketball. Like he's um, he's had uh, some really good players uh, that he's coached. Um, that's kind of overshadowed his basketball brilliance. But yeah, I agree. I think he's brilliant. Um, I, I agree. One of the biggest keys that I was going to say actually is uh, to not play against this set defense of Boston's as much as possible. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, they don't have the size in the front court nor the back court. And to me, the individual shot creation um, to go against this type of set defense that the Celtics are going to throw at them. Um, and also, too, you touched on it, man. Clay, he's got to be better. Uh, I don't even know the numbers, but it just did not feel like he had a really good series. So right now in the playoffs, Clay's averaging just right under 20, and it's actually on like 46, 47% shooting. But I think that that's kind of misleading because it looks good, but that comes with really high highs and really low lows. 
Well, his lows, uh, for sure, um, have been present. Um, I know for – I would have to look it up, um, but I don't think he shot it well in the Maverick series at all. Yeah, I don't and, know that one. And to be honest, a big part of that is uh, what you said in regards to the shots that um, that he gets. Um, and sometimes the shots that he just takes without any regard for anybody else. Um, I've called him, you know, one of the more bigger ball hogs in the league. Uh, and it, it works sometimes because he's like, um, you know what I mean? He's like an incredibly great shooter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they need him. They need, they're going to need him to play a bit more responsible because I don't foresee him getting a ton of quality looks. Um, this series, um, I I just looked at I'm looking at the numbers now for the uh, the Maverick series, and you know he had a really good game uh, elimination game. Yeah. But before that, uh, he was shooting 29 percent from three for that series for 15 a game. Like he was really chucking it against the Mavericks, yeah. and and yeah, they're they're gonna need him to play a bit more responsible, um, particularly because. Uh, I, I don't I don't foresee uh, Jordan Poole going crazy, um, and they're gonna really have to rely on Steph Curry and Clay to to be responsible um, and take care of the ball. You know, turnovers are always a thing with Golden State, and I don't think you can turn that ball over against the Celtics. Uh, you need to prize possessions as much as possible uh, because, yeah, you're, you're dealing with the best team that you played, so. Um, no, I pretty much agree with everything, especially uh, the clay points and then getting out of transition. Yeah. Um, and then I've just got some other things for both teams as well. Um, for Boston specifically, I do think that they are going to have a luxury in this series of if the too big lineup does cause any problems at all, which maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I think Grant Williams could be great in this series, just fit-wise. I also think that Derek White is going to be able to be just more in his element in this series. He was kind of like – it was kind of on and off against Miami. But I say that because there's no like – and Derek White's a good defender, but it's just the size mismatch of what Jimmy Butler was able to do to hunt him. There's none of that in this series. And um, so I'm excited to see those two guys play. And I also think – that Pritchard is going to be able to play those spot minutes again in this series because there's no just as there's no just mismatch hunting with Jimmy Hunt, with Jimmy Butler uh, like there was in that series. There's not really going to be that in this series, and you've touched on that. Um, I also am interested in watching when they do involve Robert Williams because he is almost always in drop coverage. How they go about that because one thing about Rob is although he's in drop. He does a great job of recovering, and you're not necessarily getting an easy shot off just because he's in drop coverage. So, so I'm interested in seeing that. And then with Golden State, um, you know, I think the first six guys are set. Like you've got you've got the starters, and then Jordan Poole. They've got some guys coming back from injuries and stuff. I'll be interested in seeing who those other two to three guys are that are going to be playing the bigger minutes for Golden State are. Who do you guys maybe think that those two to three guys are going to be or will need to be for them to be successful? I'm not sure. Um, 
I, I I know that they're trending towards getting GP2 back. I, I think that would be really big um, to just give you give you some sort of uh, toughness on the perimeter, uh, something that Jordan Poole may not provide. Um, I actually am trending towards saying, like, if he's healthy, he might be the extractor man. I, I really do think they miss his, uh, his presence out there. Um, uh, I wanted to I wanted to touch on the Derek White. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, what you said about him, yeah, uh, that's a guy who um, it's all mental with him because I do think he has enough to hold his own defensively, but sometimes he gets a bit tentative offensively, and uh, throughout the season with the Celtics, sometimes he gets tentative and it just makes it really hard to have him out there. But if he's aggressive, uh, he can really make a difference as well. Oh yeah. Um, um, and, and I'm glad you touched on Peyton Pritchard because, you know, I think a lot of people on Twitter I'm seeing just are chalking up the depth battle to the Warriors. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I think the Celtics, you know, I like Peyton Pritchard. I like Derek White. And, and these are guys who, you know, I don't think you can, can just punk on either end. So, no. uh, yeah, but, but for the Warriors, uh, the one guy, I, I think GP2, if he's healthy, uh, can really make a difference in this series, and they're going to really need him. Yeah. Um, I think Otto Porter could be a guy that could really could really help in what they're going to need on both ends. Tommy, who do you think yeah. they're looking at? Uh, I think it – I was I was thinking they're going to – like because they've unlocked him a little bit more each series, um, and he's not going to be that next guy, but I think we're going to see a little bit of Moses Moody. I, I could see – I could see Moses playing just because he's he's solid. Yeah. Um, and then just the last thing, you know, I think it's going to be important, and we'll see how much they experiment with it, what works, what doesn't, especially in the first two, maybe even three games. I think it's going to be big for Golden State to be switching defenses again because with Boston and kind of playing more of a non-traditional offense in the sense of it's it's it is more mismatch hunting or getting guys involved than it is like at just like in Golden, in Golden State's case where it's like a bunch of actions on the offside and the backside, like can Golden State switch defenses and keep Boston not necessarily confused but have to like really think about what they're going to do and like be able to do more things at a complex level so that they can't just say, okay, our two guys are going to really just constantly get like weak points in the defense involved. You guys get what I'm saying? I do. Um, yeah. I, I do think, yeah, I, I think the Warriors' size, though, I, like, one of the things that um, you, you compare, like, this Warriors group with the last Warriors group that made the finals, um, obviously, it's they're not the same, same team, but, man, the, the Warriors' size just, to me, limits them on, like, uh, what they are, what they're capable of doing. I don't think they, I don't think there's much they can do. Um, I, other than, you know, Draymond Green is kind of like the guy that connects everything for them on that end. And, uh, yeah, you got Steph hedging hard. Um, there's no way to get around the Celtics matchup hunting and the Warriors are going to play guys that can be hunted. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's very hard to get around it. I I don't know a lot of ways uh, that the Warriors can get around that, but kind of like what you said earlier, um, that's why, you know, they pay Steve Kerr the big bucks. You may see some zone. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure there's a, just a ton of things that the Warriors can do given their personnel uh, to combat, uh, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum finding the matchup they want and playing out of that. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a little hard to go boxing one because of the secondary option of Jalen Brown. Um, yep. But but I will be interested in seeing the zones and what type of zones he may decide to throw in here. But um, you know, last little thing, uh, Tommy will let you go first, and then we'll go Jamal, and then I'll finish it up. What is your prediction for the series? So my prediction and and is... finals, and finals MVP. Okay, so my prediction is so. I mean, I've had a hard time keeping sticking with my gut. So this one is strictly off gut. No, like, no, no real reasoning behind it. It's straight gut. I'm gonna go with the Warriors in six. And Finals MVP. Uh, Stephen Curry gets his, gets gets it. Jamal. Uh, Celtics in six, and Jason Tatum uh, gets it done. First finals MVP for Jason Tatum. So, I, as you guys know, our listeners, I have picked Boston from the beginning to win it all, so I am not going away from it. I am picking the Boston Celtics in seven games, and Jason Tatum will be my finals MVP. But, yeah, that's a wrap for episode 12. Um, Guys, I really appreciate you guys listening, tuning in like always. Jamal, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Definitely have to have you back on sometimes been a blast Please do, man. yeah been a blast um so with that being said this is the end of the coast to coast podcast episode 12 thanks guys for tuning in appreciate it fellas. See y'all.